comes the rain, with my anger comes a tide of emotion, killing joy, cutting steel across your eyes. Are you dead? Hi, this is Brennan Davis from Bedrock Games and the Bedrock Blog, and I'm here with Jeremy Deathblade by for an episode of the Righteous Blood podcast. And today we're going to be talking about the film's Killer Clans, which is a Cho Yuan movie, and the movie Dragon, which originally was called Wuxia, starring Donnie Yen. Uh, this is a much more recent. Killer Clans is a much more classic mid-70s film. Um, and so, I don't know, I guess, how do we want to do this? Do we want to talk about Killer Clans first, or we want to talk about Dragon first? What would you rather discuss? Let's, let's do the order in which we watched them. So, which I think we've started with Killer Clans, at least I did. Yeah, I did too. I did too, so, okay. that, so that could work. So, Killer Clans is, uh, is, is based on a Gulong book. I think it's based on the same material that Butterfly Sword with Michelle Yeoh was based on. Um, and it's kind of got a Godfather vibe to it, which we can discuss later in the podcast um and it's basically about a, uh, a sect war uh, you know it, with you know and the, and the main character is an assassin he sort of works for like a seems like he works out of a bordello that's really fronting as an assassination outfit um and 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 so he has to infiltrate this this sect and over the course of infiltrating the sect he falls in love with the the, the master's daughter even though he's supposed to be killing the master and, you know, a bunch of drama and chaos ensues. And it's a really, I think, a really dark uh, Wuxia film. It, uh, it definitely kind of gets more into sort of the dark and melodramatic stuff, I think, than a lot of other ones. Uh, what's your, what are your thoughts on the movie? Well, I really liked it. So this is one that I hadn't seen before. So it was my first time. And there was one little aspect I didn't like. But other than that one little aspect, I just really enjoyed it and I think it is almost perfect in terms of what we were aiming for with Righteous Blood Ruthless Blades in a lot of different ways. Um, I Interestingly, I wanted to watch it in Chinese and so after you know many months and, and struggling trying to find some of these movies, I got my wife to help me install a VPN, not a VPN to get into China. Normally people install VPNs to get out of China. <laughs> yeah. but, and I, to my shock, she actually already had it on her phone and never told me. So I could have been watching these movies in Chinese this entire time. In any case, so I got the, the VPN so that I could get into China and watch the Chinese version. And then I watched the first couple of minutes and then I wanted to, then I thought, well, maybe what I'll do instead is um, I'll watch the, the English version and then I can compare the two. And what I found was that the Chinese version is heavily censored because in the first opening scenes, there's some like, you know, kind of adult stuff. Yep, yep. And so that wasn't in the Chinese version. And the opening parts in Chinese were actually a little bit, it seemed very jarring. I was like, what's going on here? And then I went watch on Amazon and wow, lo and behold, there's a lot more <laughs> yeah. stuff that Chinese wasn't including. Um, so that was interesting. I actually really liked the subtitles of the version I watched on Amazon. I'm not necessarily referring to the translation because there were some oddities, mm -hmm. but I think the, the subtitles came, came across really good and kind of poetic in a lot of parts. Yeah, yeah, I, agree. So I think it was that that aspect was really cool. So overall, yeah, this is um, one of my new favorites. I think. Yeah, so I I love this movie. This movie is one of my 
like got to be in my top five. It's it's one that I've I, I I always go back to, and it's also one that's that's inspired like a lot of the stuff that I do with games and things like like I tried to make a Killer Clans adventure, which is it. I, I didn't end up actually putting it out. I just put it on the blog called The War of Swarming Beggars. But that is a hundred percent like me trying to do Killer Clans, and uh, and and I I think it's just a great movie, and I think a part of it again, you know, we we can. Well, I want to say also, I I watched it on Amazon this time. I have it on DVD and have seen the version with uh, the subtitles. But as I get older, I just if, if I have an option to watch it at my computer in my kitchen and watch it with dubs, I'll do that just because it's easier for me to to follow everything. Um, right. Sorry, but, I misspoke. I, I meant to, I think I said subtitles on Amazon, but it's dubbed on Amazon. But you sorry. can get the subs too. They have the subs running across the bottom also. So True, true. Yeah, yeah. but I, I what I meant, sorry, I, I was I got confused. What I meant to say was that the the dub was actually pretty good mm-hmm. in terms of the poetic stuff that was going on. I do want to point out though in that regard that there is just something and I want to harp on this, but there is just something different about it when watching the Chinese version versus the yeah. English dub version and I was kind of wondering i was thinking you know am i just listening wrong or am i hearing it wrong because of course i don't speak chinese as a native speaker so it's a little different and so i made i forced my wife to like sit down and listen to a bit Mm -hmm. to listen to it for a little bit just to ask her like what does this sound like to you and she agreed that it basically sounds for all intents and purposes like chinese people talking as they do nowadays it just sounds like normal chinese whereas when you're listening to the dub in english it definitely doesn't sound as you would expect people to be talking okay. in a movie or in real life, and so I, I, there's a little bit of a. So you're saying that the that the the style of speaking in the movie is very modern vernacular in Chinese. It's not necessarily vernacular; just it's like I can imagine walking down the street and hearing people talking like that. Obviously, not okay. with the terms and stuff. Yeah, but it's not that sort of like. I think we talked about this with. Um, um, one of the other movies last time or something where it has kind of like that stagey feel from yeah, yeah. two decades ago. So it definitely doesn't have that in Chinese. But in okay. the end, I, I really did like the translation um, yeah. in this version. It, I thought it came across as being pretty cool. And in the dubs, you always get guys that kind of are almost doing like a John Wayne impression, it sounds like, you know? Yeah, you <laughs> yeah um, exactly. So, but yeah, no, I, I, I think this is a great movie. And uh, I... I Again, I don't know this for sure. I know we were talking about Gulong's influences and stuff like that and how, you know, like you can go and see on like on Wikipedia, somebody will mention that, you know, he was inspired by so-and-so and so-and-so. And the Godfather gets brought up for this movie. Uh, so I, I don't know where I've encountered, but I know I've seen it. Um, but I have to say, I think the Godfather seems like it was an influence on it because there are a lot of things that are kind of similar, not just like uh, plot beats, but the role of... Um, of of Sun of like the the I forget what they call I think they called him Uncle in the translation um, and I think I think in the this is where I'd I'd really like to find this out because I don't know what the case is but when I read the fan translation I could I could have sworn that they called him the Godfather like I think that was his actual title in the but again maybe that was just somebody translating it who's familiar with the Godfather. Yeah, I actually... I did check this point because I was I was um, curious about it, and the term they use in Chinese is basically uncle. Not, and of course, obviously, it's a complicated topic, but it's essentially just a word of respect used for an older person that's you know going to be roughly the same age as your father, and then mm-hmm. it kind of gets appropriated into his title for everybody. Okay, and it's not the Godfather. There is a, there are actually two different 
terms for that are generally translated as godfather. One is the traditional Chinese version, mm-hmm. and the other is the sort of Western, I guess, Catholic version, um, and it didn't use either of those. So if somebody used that in the translation, maybe they were just trying to, you know, maybe they, maybe they noticed the same thing and were kind of trying to, um, you know, give it that give, feel bring or something it in. like that. Okay, okay. But uh, but yeah, so so you know this. I th- I thought this was a great movie. But you said there was one thing you didn't like about it, like a small thing. What was the one thing? I'm curious. Right. Well, I just I got really turned off by the whole family killing themselves thing. Um, I get it. Like I understand what it was trying to do. I just didn't feel like it, it came across properly enough for me. So and I thought about it a lot. And I under I think part of it has to do with there's a Chinese culture thing. And I've seen this in a lot of other media whether it's books or movies or something where they have this sort of theme where like it a family will kill or like you, uh, uh, two people who are very close to each other one will sacrifice the other or kill them or whatever in order to you know prove their loyalty or their yeah. or whatever to somebody I, I so i get that that's part of it and part of it is just a, a general thing i, I mean I, one thing that jumped out to me about it was that it's it was very similar to a scene from the Witcher season one. I don't know if you've watched The Witcher yet, but no, I haven't. And, and, okay. and to be honest, I'm probably never going to watch The Witcher. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> well, it's not like it's a major spoiler or something. It's just kind of a, a random scene. But in the well, first, pretty sure it's episode one, but it could have been later. There's a similar thing where uh, a, a parent uh, gives poison to the kids and then mm-hmm. themselves. But in that case, it was a situation where like their castle was being invaded and yeah. they. Uh, everybody, it wasn't just one family, it was everybody in the castle, like all committed yeah. suicide. So I, I get that it's not just a Chinese thing, but it just it kind of turned me off. And I, 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 especially because it made it the way it was filmed, watching it the first time, I thought it was just the parents were killing the kids. And I was like, dang, that's rough. No, they're killing everybody. Out, they, yeah. they all, so that, I was kind of like, okay, but it just, I don't know. I, I, I'm like, I understand that they were, what it did for me was it, it, made the the uncle guy less likable to me because i'm like but i think that's what they were trying to do i don't think they were i think that's the point see well number one this is how different death blade and i are which i think is (laughs) something i think is worthy of mentioning because it's it's one of the things that makes righteous blood ruthless blades a good game is that we have these differences and they kind of sometimes you get different flavors you wouldn't get but also we balance each other out and and here when i first saw killer cleanse this was the scene that clinched it for me this is the scene that i was like oh i didn't even know this flavor existed in movie do you know what i mean like like it was that kind of a scene and it and it was kind of like you know i mean it's a grim dark moment right like i think that would be the terminology people would use for it so obviously you know if if you're if you're tired of stuff like Game of Thrones, like there's been, you know, we've kind of been on a on a fad for that. That scene might not land as well. But but when I first saw this, I was like, whoa, that is like, that is some like, it was just like dark. And like the movie to me, I've always described it as gangster. It's a very gangster like film, and so it just fit in with that for me. Um, but I will say the way they do that particular scene, you had mentioned how the film didn't feel too stagey overall. That's probably one of the more stagey parts of the movie. Um, yeah. And, uh, but I, but I definitely, like, I am with you. I definitely, it changes how you view uncle for sure. Um, but I feel like because by the end of the movie, you're really supposed to have all this ambiguous feeling about the whole martial world in general. Like it's, it's not like the movie isn't saying like be uncle. It's like, like uncle is like everything in his life is destroyed pretty much by the time that they get to the end of the film. 
and he has no choice but to do these horrible things and so it's sort of just this awful mar- you know it's it's one of these movies where like the it's kind of similar to dragon in a way where the martial world is depicted as a bad thing it's depicted yeah. as like a gangster landscape that you want to escape from um yeah i mean in in that regard i think that dragon did a better job because i i feel like i i would have to go back and again i only saw it once and so mm-hmm. i didn't i think going back and watching it a second time would probably you know kind of make it all go into a little bit more perspective but i i felt like it wasn't necessarily aiming to to like depict it but maybe i'm wrong so in, in any case i felt like i felt like up to that point i was kind of like kind of going back and forth about how they were trying to depict him like were they trying to depict him as just this ruthless sort of like you know survival of the fittest guy who'll do anything to survive or was he actually because remember in the fairly early on when somebody came to him and the the guys had accosted the the man and his daughter or whatever you know he sent people to go avenge them and it was like so i felt like it was kind of aiming toward the good side but then maybe Maybe it was more I think, complex. Again, I think he's more like the Godfather. I think he's that kind of a character where, like, there's these good things about him when he, you know, like, he's not totally despicable at all. It's just that he also is living in, like, a gangster world and, like, he has to make these preparations that are going to sacrifice people. That, you know, it just, you know, and so that's why he sends his daughter off with that guy at the end because he doesn't want her to be part of this world anymore because he lost his son already. And so I think that I... So... So I, I think it's yes. just more of like a complicated moral gray than a he's a good sure. or a bad guy. And I I mean I and a, and that fits in perfectly with like you said how I think we wanted to portray our Jiang Hu and in fact I was doing a little assessment a while ago when I was preparing to kind of compile some information about the game and I'm pretty sure that in all of the different sect like groups or clans or whatever that we created there's only like one or two that are actually good and yeah. in terms of all the npcs they're also out of about 50 i think there's only a handful that are you could consider to be actually right fully really yeah. righteous most of them have some pretty deep flaws or even to the point where they're not even really heroic even though they claim to be heroes yeah i i, I mean that's for me i have to remind myself sometimes to make good npcs in games you know what i mean like i just tend to lean more on i think number one because there's two reasons one is characters with flaws and characters that are bad are just generally more interesting and fun to make than you know okay here's a here's a hero do you know what i mean the, the way you know you, you 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 need to i mean you can always add depth to a hero but it's just to me it's more interesting when there's you know some unlikable things in there but the other thing is because it's a game and the players are presumably a little bit more heroic. Uh, if the world is populated with more villains, there's more people for them to yeah. to fight. You know, so there's there's that too. You can populate your world with with heroes, but then you know, nine out of ten campaigns, all your your players are just going to have allies all the time. And you know, yeah. So that's true. But in the in the end, Killer Clans, I think it does a pretty good job of depicting a Jiang Hu where they're. I mean. Correct me if I'm wrong, because I just I wasn't really putting a lot of thought into this ahead of time. But I mean, this aspect ahead of time, 
But there aren't really any heroes in this movie. I mean, in ter- like the main character is an assassin. He goes around killing people, right? You have to look, so. again. I think Killer Clench. You have to look at it the way you would look at The Godfather or Goodfellas. None of those guys yeah. in those movies are good, but some of them yeah. you like, some of them you want to root for. Do you know what I mean? And so it's you know like like okay, what was um Lolier's character's name in Killer Clans? It was um, uh, uh, he was Han Tong. He was the guy with the fishing pole, right? Yeah. He's basically Luca Brasi. You know what I mean? He's the guy that you have to kill in order to get to Uncle, right? And yeah. and he and he, and he has the redeeming trait of being loyal to Uncle to the end. So you like him. Do you know what I mean? But you definitely aren't supposed to like Yu Hua's character who betrays Uncle at the end. Yeah. You know, in yeah. another movie maybe he'd be the main character. But in this movie we're not rooting for that guy. So I think it's I think it's sort of more who has admirable traits even if they're not necessarily good people all the way through, you know? I mean, the the hero in this is pretty good, but even him, he's killed a bunch of people. Like he's he's a ruthless killer. You know, what I mean, he's not yeah. a he's not a nice guy. And even even the daughter isn't isn't particularly nice. Like she doesn't she doesn't like save anybody or you know what I mean. She she just kind of. In fact, she says some. I mean, she seems pretty at ease with the world that her father lives in. Right. So I I yeah. think. Oh, go ahead. I said, I, yeah, and I mean, this is uh, based on Gulong stuff, and I think that's, I think that's what we were aiming for. We we want to have our game be more gritty. I mean, it, it, it's a it's being billed as and originally was pitched as a dark Usha game, and that's what we're aiming for. We're not aiming for, you know, the traditional heroic journey and blah blah blah. It's supposed to be something that's dangerous and and deadly and filled with. People who are more likely to try to take advantage of you than to help you. Yeah, yeah, and I think, and I think that, you know, that, that there's a there's a certain style of wuxia film that's just kind of more. I don't know. I just it's just more on the gangster end of the spectrum, and and this is and that's kind of I think in a lot of ways that's where the game was, and that's also you know where this movie, uh, for sure was. Um, you mentioned that the I think you were talking about the opening scene being a big. A big influence, or at least something you were oh, yeah. thinking about a lot in terms of the actual some of the mechanics we made. Yeah, yeah. So I guess we'll we'll mix in mechanical discussion with the discussion of films to keep this fluid. But we decided early on to have three combat phases or three phases of combat. So there's 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 the the talking and analysis, and then there's like the turn order, and then there's the um, you know the actual combat. And so uh, the the idea was. We wanted to capture that sort of gulong, that wuxia thing of where characters have a moment to size each other up or have a conversation or something that helps build the suspense and create, I don't know, just an an area where you can do things that are interesting before combat even begins that might impact combat, but also maybe deter combat sometimes if you realize, you know, like... So there's the scene in the beginning of the movie where the two guys are on the bridge and they're talking, and you know it's it's sort it's sort of like at the beginning of a boxing match where somebody loses maybe before they even start. Do you know what I mean it strikes me as that kind of a scene? But it's also the kind of thing where we specifically like I, I don't know if we've mentioned this before, but we timed our combats when we were playing. At least I did. I, I'm pretty sure you did too. But like like uh, in another game I worked on, I timed character creation. This game we focused on timing combat because we wanted combat to be quick and deadly 
and that scene just always felt that way to me. It felt like one of those ones where there's a few flashes of the blade and then somebody's dead. And, you know, so, so yeah, that scene was definitely influential. But I will say also with the movie Dragon, that scene with Jimmy Wang Yu at the dinner table is kind of similar too yeah. to the talking and analysis phase. Um, yeah, so for I think this is the first time we've talked about that talking and analysis phase. And just to sum it up, I mean, basically, you, I think actually you summed it up pretty well. But to recap, basically, we encourage that before fighting happens that there be this kind of face-off moment and then the characters can gain some sort of advantage from it and hopefully make that hopefully have that make the combat go a little bit faster and quicker and i think that that opening scene was i I wasn't even thinking about it to be honest when i saw it and then when you mentioned it i was like oh wow that that is pretty much exactly what what we're going for and uh in terms of incidentally i want to point out because you kind of glossed over this point how you mentioned turn order as the second of the three kind of main phases of combat, and that might seem kind of odd. Some people may be wondering, well, why is that? Why are you including that as a major phase of combat? You're basically rolling initiative. And the reason was because um, in a lot of these movies, especially these Gulo ones where people die with one hit occasionally or often, the person who's fastest often has a big advantage. And they talk about this in the novels as well, whoever has the the fastest sword or fastest yeah. weapon. And so that's why we wanted to emphasize that idea that being fast with your weapon would give you a big advantage well, in combat. Well, I think we even, t- when we were talking about Magic Blade, didn't we even mention how it was like almost like a gunslinger, like the fastest, like yeah. his sword even looked like a gun being drawn. Um, right. It's that kind of a thing. And, and, and also just to get into some of the mechanics, like the talking analysis phase is meant to be open, like very open to interpretation so that the GM can adjudicate. But we do provide like three basic likely things that could arise as a result of it. So one of them would be like a, a psych out where you impose a penalty on somebody like sort of like which is what I imagine happened in the killer clan sequence um, or gain a bonus because you realize something about the foe. But you could also use it to learn about their style. Do you know what I mean? Which might, you know, inform how you tactically function, you know, like, like what you actually decide to do in the combat. So it's, you know, it, it, it was one of these things, too, that worked beautifully in playtest. And you don't always have to use it. Like, you can skip it sometimes because sometimes talking and analysis doesn't happen. So it's not, it's not a requirement, but it is part of the combat steps. Yeah, um, we, we mentioned that as well. Like, obviously, if, you know, the bad guys are ambushing the players, you don't need to all of a sudden stop the ambush yeah. to have everybody yeah. talking and monologuing. One interesting thing I do want to point out as well is that the bridge scene also involves only two people. And this is something else that we emphasize as well. And obviously, it's going to come down to uh, a GM and a group, like, kind of consensus as to how it works but we really wanted to sort of encourage dueling as opposed to general melee and obviously general melee everybody fighting that happens in the movies all the time in this movie and in all the movies Um, but in the novels and it happens in the novels as well but not as much and I think that we were trying to encourage that more where instead of having you know let's say your group has five players instead of having five players you know, team up against five bad guys, it would be more like one of your players steps out to sort of champion yeah. the group and face off against one bad guy. And that's what we were hoping would happen more often than just like a big battle. Yeah, and that actually is something I see a lot of um, 
I saw a lot in playtest, and I think part of the reason is sometimes that's actually a good tactic to use too, to call somebody out and say, hey, you know, try to arrange a duel with one person rather than have everybody tackle everybody. Um, but but that and and so but what I found in play is both the one-on-one duels worked and the group melees worked. Um, but definitely, like the 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 one-on-ones can be really fast because of the timing yeah. thing. Um, so I don't know. Is there anything else about this film that you wanted to discuss before we get on to Dragon? There's nothing specific. I just I, I would encourage anybody out there who hasn't had a chance to to check it out to do so because it's definitely definitely worth it and de- definitely the feel we're going for. The, the only I don't want to say downside, but this is one of you know this is a 1976 movie, so it has a, that kind of older look. <laughs> yeah. and- so depending on who who you are, if you're a person who likes that kind of stuff, then definitely put this on your list. If you're more interested in modern, like I, I've talked with people, you know, tr- whether they're translators or whatever, who absolutely love Wuxia, seriously, but have never seen a movie before like 1995 yeah. or, or something like yeah. that. So uh, if, if you only like the new stuff, then this might not be the perfect one. But if you have an open mind, this is just full of so much great stuff. And also great stuff on the for for GM inspiration as well, I think. Well, and the and the old ones are, it's a little bit like when you watch a golden age of Hollywood movie. Like you watch Spartacus, you're gonna get like scenes where the guy's got his hands on his hips and like you know what I mean. Like there's there's yeah. just stuff they did in those movies. <laughs> things are on a stage half the time. Like, the, you know, uh, but there's also like gorgeous things that they can do in these films because they're they they are doing things on stages or because. You know, they like like in Spartacus, they just had a budget to do like these crazy shots with extras where it was just insane. Yeah. But um, but so with Killer Clans, I think uh, one of the things that's really cool about it is and you might not notice it if you're not as familiar with these. But but Choi Yuen is really good at at utilizing the stagey aspects of it for coloration and things like that. So it doesn't look like a modern movie, but but by but if you compare his films to a lot of the other ones from that time, his do tend to look a lot better. Do you know what I mean? They have more of a visual appeal. Uh, also, you get a sense of the history of, you know, what one of the reasons why I really liked watching all the old Shaw Brothers films and all the old Golden Harvest and all these all these all these earlier movies is because you can actually see the progression of fight choreography over time and fight editing over time and fight effects over time, and. I don't know. It's just kind of, I don't know, maybe it's just, you know, something that I'm just naturally curious about, but I, I enjoy that. So I think Killer Clans would be in there where, you know, you get a sense of, you know, uh, you know, just some of the earlier fight choreography versus now. But but definitely it's, you know, big difference. And I have I have a lot of players that used to play in my Ogre Geek game and stuff like that, that uh, when I would recommend an older movie, the staginess was always a a factor for some of them where it was just like I, they couldn't get past that so yeah, yeah. you know um so yeah so but I, I i definitely recommend it i think it's a it's a it's a great movie it's got it's got a lot of you know great actors in it and and it's got like i don't know my my favorite stuff is with um the the swordsman who is in love and brokenhearted and his hair is all yeah. disheveled you know that's st- i just i just really like those sequences and i think it just has a lot of uh, I don't know. So it's it's a wuxia movie with a lot of feeling, um, and so that brings us to Dragon, which I think uh, I don't know. Do you want to do you want to describe Dragon since I described? Uh, All Killer right, Clans? sure. So it's a 2011 no one, yeah, 2011 film with Donnie Yen. It was originally the the title in Chinese, and even when they originally 
first started promoting it in English, I think it was called Wuxia, but they later changed it to Dragon. I don't know when they did. And it's basically, it's kind of like a, a detective mystery murder investigation um, movie. And the main character is Donnie Yen, who, as you've come to find out, is actually, you know, a surprise, surprise, an expert martial artist, but he's kind of in hiding as a simple villager in the kind of the corner, the far corner of China. And then, oh man, what's the, the detective character's name in, in uh, English? It's a Japanese name, right? But in Chinese, his name is Liu Jingxi. No, right, that's the name of the main character. The Jin Chengwu was the actor who plays the detective. Do you know his name in English off the top of your head? What, the actor's name? Yeah, it's like no. Takeshi. It's oh, Takeshi. oh, uh, Takeshi Kaneshiro. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, anyway, he's a he's a detective who is convinced that Donnie Yen's character is uh, indeed a master in hiding, and so conducts this investigation that ultimately ends with um, it all of the truth being revealed and his secret identity being revealed to the seventy two demons, which is a criminal organization that come to track him down to try to bring him back. And of course, you know, there's all kinds of fighting. He ends up cutting his arm off because apparently this movie was originally intended to be a remake of One-Armed Swordsman, and then they didn't do that, but apparently they wanted to keep the one-arm aspect because the main villain is, of course, the hero from One-Armed Swordsman. Which is, and I think and the, the one-armed first... boxer, too. Right, yeah. Uh, and then, of course, there's a dramatic showdown, and uh, in the... I remember talking to you about this actually a couple of different times over the years and in preparation for doing this podcast. Uh, I actually didn't like the final act, I guess you could call it, when I originally saw it. I just, I didn't hate it or something, but I didn't like it a lot. I actually have changed. <laughs> so now I can tolerate it more. I actually liked it a lot more. I still think there were a couple flaws in it. But uh, so in in any case, overall, I just, really 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 like this movie i i like the ending more now the first you know probably hour is just i think one of the best ever yeah. and there's uh, not much has... fighting in that first hour either it's a lot of right. it's a lot of story and build up there for a wuxia movie it's got you know there's good fighting in it when you get to it but you have to wait yeah exactly yeah. It's, it's definitely not a super high flying you know, flying swordsman kind of thing, and it, it's it's set in 1911, which would be, I think, the Republican era. If I'm, if I'm I think it was that. um 1917, and it was the Republican era. Okay. Uh, in any case, so you know, the the detective has like a Western hat, and he carries an umbrella, and there's actually some uh, some stuff I will talk about in a minute because I listened to a an interview with the director about that. But in any case, this. I just really, really, really like this movie. In general, I prefer Wuxia stuff that takes that doesn't take place in the Qing Dynasty. I used to really like the whole, you know, Q hanging down the back mm -hmm. and like shaved head Qing Dynasty thing with you know Wang Fei Hong and uh, Fong Saiyuk, I think is the other Jet Li movie that he did. I, I like that stuff less nowadays, but in this case, I just really, really like that. I think. Well, it, and this is even post Qing Dynasty, so it's even right. But they're yeah. still shaving their heads, yeah. so it's kind of like has that sort yeah. of. Though it's interesting of, that Donnie Yen's is like faded, or like it's growing in. Do you know what I mean the front part is growing in? Yeah, um, because if, if my understanding is correct, you know, after the Qing Dynasty fell, there were still a lot of people who would wanted to, you know, continue the old traditions. But at the same time, it wasn't a law anymore, so it's not yeah. as though they had to worry so much about it so i think that kind of 
reflects that pretty accurately. So in any case, I really liked it. What what did what do you think? No, I I think it's a sleek sleek movie. It's really good, and I think it. Uh, usually, I I I will tend to get bored if I'm watching a movie like this and there isn't a fight scene every you know, for, for every few minutes basically, but. <laughs> But this one, you don't even notice that there's no fight scenes. And it, it, it actually reminds me a lot of the movie A History of Violence. With, what's his name? Viggo Morgans, whatever. The guy from Lord of the Rings. I can't remember his last <laughs> name. Um, but it's a similar type of plot. It's way, way better than A History of Violence. Um, and I don't know. I, I, I like the fight choreography. The fight choreography, it's wuxia, but it's so grounded. And like the even the lightness kung fu stuff on the rooftops is more like what is that parkour whatever that stuff is it's like it's it's a little more modern feeling like that you know what i mean but uh but it's but it's it and also it's got jimmy wang Yu in it it's got kara Her- hui in it and both of those people are utilized to the fullest extent that they can be but they're not overused do you know what i mean so each one of them gets a really big moment in the movie which i thought is one of the things that made this work because there's these two great actors from the past stepping in to 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 basically be the menacing people in the film and 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 i think that really make like jimmy wang Yu is probably one of the most terrifying masters i've ever seen in a movie like this like just like his his lips quiver and like the the heavens start to shake do you know what i mean it's it's that kind of a thing so uh see i i like it and and i think uh i also like when I first watched it, I was kind of annoyed by the detective's character's thing that he's like suppressing his empathy and all that. But I don't know why. Over time, I started to like that more. I don't. I don't know why I became more open to it. But that that, that started to work for me. Yeah, I mean, there's so much cool stuff in this movie to unpack. I, we could probably talk for a couple hours just about this movie specifically. I I mean, going through it from beginning to end, one of the coolest parts is how essentially. Uh, he, Donian's character, gets in a fight with a couple of thugs and he kills them, which is what precipitates the investigation. And it does one of those great sort of like, I don't, sorry, I'm, my mind is blanking in terms of the, the right word to use. But basically, you see the fight from one perspective and then you see the detective unraveling what really happened. And, you know, he's looking at the clues and the footprints and like all this stuff. And then he's kind of like, seeing what really happened and then you're kind of wondering wait a second is he just imagining this or and then you find out later whether or not that was intended to be exactly how the fight played out he wasn't imagining anything in terms of how dangerous of a fighter donnie Yen's character was and now incidentally i wanted to point out so i, I guess before i forget i'll point out that um, so i listened to the director commentary no it wasn't director commentary it was an interview uh maybe similar stuff is mentioned in the dvd i don't really know but he so First of all, the character. Um, now, the character played by Takeshi, sorry, I'm not going to get his name right, Jin uh, Chengwu in Chinese, uh, he talks with a very strong, in fact, it's not even a Sichuan accent, it's a Sichuan dialect. He speaks a different dialect. And based on my understanding, I think he actually did speak that. So they had a Sichuan dialect coach who coached him to speak it. Now, I now he did a voiceover so i'm pretty sure they recorded the movie in mandarin and then he went back and did a voiceover of all of his own dialogue in sichuan dialect and the director did that on purpose now i don't know if that comes across to people who are going to watch it in 
and with uh, subtitles, but it sounds so different in Chinese. It instantly jumped out to me because the Sichuan dialect is, is actually it falls under the branch of Mandarin. It's one of the Mandarin-based dialects, so it's 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 different enough that I could understand it for the most part, especially with the subtitles. But it just it would be kind of like if you had a movie in English and everybody's just kind of speaking standard English, and then you had somebody come in with like a really strong like New Orleans, Louisiana accent yeah. or like a really strong Texas accent or something. Not the same feel as that, but it just completely is like, whoa, what is going on here? Because most movies from mainland nowadays have just really standard Mandarin. And so the director said that he did that because one of the reasons was because so this actor, Takeshi, whatever his last name is, is kind of like a heartthrob, sexy actor. And he wanted this character to be more gritty and kind of like, he actually mentioned Columbo, believe it or not. Okay, okay, talking. Columbo. Okay, I yeah. can see. That's interesting. Yeah, he is kind of a Columbo type, now that I think yeah, about it. Yeah, he is. And so he said that he felt he wanted something that would kind of make him more down to earth and gritty and kind of yeah. not a heartthrob guy. And then apparently it was the actor's idea when he was on set, he heard people talking in Sichuan dialect, and he was like, hey, what? what's that? What if we do that? And so that's mm. what led to it. And so I think that was a really cool aspect to the character that definitely comes across in Chinese. Well, he, I feel like the cameras in a lot of movies he's in kind of focus on his dreamy eyes. They sort of do that. You know what I mean? Like they re- like, And in this movie, yeah, he's not... He's almost not likable in this film. In fact, they, they have him wear glasses, which was that... Did they talk about that? Because that might have even been i don't remember if they specifically mentioned it but i would guess yeah probably and so i mean and his wife is estranged from him because he's kind of a jerk about you know like how like the whole thing is he's sort of trying to balance humanity versus the law and he really really leans heavily on the law and to the to the to the extent that he uh, you know like arrested his own father-in-law and stuff and his father-in-law commits suicide and all this stuff um by the way just before we get into uh, more about the language that clap you heard i was killing a, a fly and i didn't have time to hit the mute button so i apologize for uh for for killing a fly on air and for interrupting <laughs> death blades uh <laughs> speech we'll, there um, we'll forgive you this one time <laughs> but uh but anyways uh yeah so we actually have this optional rule for languages in the game and that was really your idea because you're the one that's a lot more familiar with how languages work in china and you know i, I was you know this might be a good time to bring that up that, you know, yeah, that we I mean, do have dialects as a thing in there as an optional rule. It's not required, yeah. but I mean, this is one of the few movies that I can think of that has it as an aspect of the movie. Although I do got to point out, it's a little bit odd because the movie takes place in Yunnan province where there's a lot of really weird dialects and accents. I think it actually to me came across a little odd that all of these villagers out in the mountains are like speaking perfect Mandarin, and then this guy comes and speaks and speaking such fun dialects. But anyway, forgetting about that aspect, um, yeah, I think I mean the thing about language in China is that although there is Mandarin and there's a standard Chinese, every place just about has its own dialect. I mean, every city, going from city to city, it would be like it would be as if in California, people from Los Angeles talked differently from people from San Diego and San Francisco. Like, literally, you could maybe not even understand each other. That's how different the dialects can be. And so we included an option to allow players to have that. Now, and, and, you know, I do, it it comes up in the books as well a lot. People will be mentioned as, like, one of the examples that jumps to mind is, I think it was the book and the sword by Jin Yong Louis Cha, the 
there's one of the characters who comes from South China and speaks Cantonese, and I remember that coming up where um, he would be using Cantonese slang and other people might not be able to understand him very well. And so it, it might be difficult to pull off, though, depending on the GM and the group, which is why we put it as an optional rule. But basically, the way it functions is that if you encounter somebody speaking a different dialect, you have to make a skill roll to be able to understand it. And I think probably for the most part, this is, would be relevant for cases where the players are going to a different location and maybe there might be people there who would be able to speak a dialect that they didn't understand because other than that I, I'm not sure how easy it would be to implement it in a group that only speaks English I don't know what are your thoughts on that well I mean for the most part when I when I play games like this I generally do the Shaw Brothers thing where it's sort of like everybody's speaking Mandarin yeah just you know so I don't I don't really worry about it but but for this game I mean you know if it it involves a little bit more work but if you if you want a more textured realistic setting you know you know it's languages you know i like i've gone deep on languages before in campaigns and when you do you you just have to make your players aware because you can end up in this situation where people don't aren't on the same page at character creation and then the group actually has trouble communicating so that would be the the one thing to sort of you know warn people against but uh but i i don't know i i I, I tend to, I, I, I think, I think w one of the things about this mechanic was we kept it optional for that reason. We knew that yeah, it wasn't exactly. going to be useful for every single campaign, but it would be a good lever to, to pull if you wanted it or if you needed it for some reason. Um, I, mean, I feel like in general, role-playing role role gamers are going to be able to comprehend that i mean you're more familiar with the history of dungeons and dragons but at what point did different languages enter the dungeons and dragons universe i mean in fifth edition go ahead oh no go ahead go ahead i was gonna say i mean in fifth edition you know there's all kinds of languages you know you can speak elvish or celestial or or you know undercommon or whatever and so the idea of characters speaking a language that the players don't understand or players being able to speak a language that other players don't understand is not exactly a brand new thing in, in role-playing games. I, th I feel like it probably wouldn't be that difficult to implement, assuming it made sense for whatever the No, it, ju it just depends on how hand-wavy people are generally accustomed to being about languages, yeah. I think. Yeah. And, you know, um, so yeah, so the, the other thing that I think we wanted to discuss here too is the meridians, because that comes up a lot in this movie um yeah you know the, it's sort of it sort of does double duty on the one hand it's it's to get into the pressure point stuff because that's really a, crucial to the plot but it's also i feel like they're trying to make him like a scientifically minded guy and that's why the meridians are in the, he's like you know he's like a logical rational you know science-based sort of person and and his mastery of meridians is sort of you know sort of how they convey that and yeah well you know interestingly enough the director specifically mentioned csi as well in terms of what he was aiming for because the idea of a um a detective doing this kind of thing doing what he does is not a particularly like chinese kind of thing necessarily and so i think well i mean that's what the director said he was aiming for that kind of thing with the whole um, and analyzing the crime scene and, and, you know, the inner workings of the body and stuff. I think that the, the detective character from this movie, you could very easily make him 
in Righteous Blood Ruthless Blaze. We have all of the yeah the, the abilities and everything to make him. He basically uses needles as his as his fighting method in the very end. He doesn't come across as being a particularly like you know skilled martial artist. I didn't get that. No, he's he's more of an intelligent. But the thing is, our game a, a, our game has mechanics for that in that. Some of the abilities are not about being the best fighter. They're about being yeah. the smartest person or, you know what I mean? And so he, he's one of those kinds of people. There would definitely be abilities you could give him that would match that. And and the way that he beats Jimmy Wang Yu's character in the end is, you know, he outwits him. You know, he just, yeah. you know. Um, so in any case, the, so the, the Meridian stuff is, I think something, so, you know, we were aiming for rules light, and we yeah. only had a certain amount of words, which we actually completely surpassed, and, like, I think we provided we, twice what we said we were going to provide. Yeah, we, so we ended up having, we had originally had two adventures in the book, and we actually had to take one out, because we had so many words, it was, it was, it was going to come down to, do we want to take out elements of the game itself or do we want to just take out a whole adventure and so we opted to take out a whole adventure and that's going to be put out as a free pdf so it won't be it won't be lost it's just that it's not in the actual printed yeah. book um but, but in any case so we obviously didn't have room to go into like a really complex yeah. meridian acupoint we do provide i think something like five or six actually we've tried five or six meridians and acupoints and describe what they do when they're blocked yeah. and whatnot but this is an area where Either um, GMs are going to have a lot of opportunity to homebrew their own stuff to make a more fleshed out if that's what they want to, or you know maybe one day we'll be able to include more of that stuff in a module or something. I don't know, but the point is that we have sort of the structure there to be able to do all of this kind of stuff, and it's it's going to be more on the player and GM side to fill it out a little bit if they're interested in that kind of thing. Yeah, and 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 we do have, and we also have it on the signature abilities ends. We have you know things like the Meridian transposition and those kinds of abilities that that work with the Meridian system. So you know it's it's part of the game. It's baked in the mechanics, but it is again, it's it's more on the rules light side. Um, one thing I wanted to talk about with the movie itself was what happens at the end, in your opinion, <laughs> in in regard to. To what? When she says, "When she says, see you tonight," because oh. there's a whole backstory to to her husband saying that to her and then abandoning her, and we just see him kind of wandering. It looks like. So I'm curious what your interpretation I, you know, of I that was, is. I don't know. I I kind of want to watch it because unfortunately I usually have to watch these movies in chunks because yeah. I I tend to have like an hour or, or thirty minutes here or there that I'll I'll watch something and then so I I don't have the continuous beginning yeah. to end i can't remember it was it that her husband would her husband would say that to her and then never come back was that what it was yeah he said that and he left and he never came back but then she said it to him i think he... the i think what it was is that um so remember she told the story to the detective and basically said after that she didn't ever want him to say that to her yeah so i think my interpretation is that means she's overcome that fear and so she's saying that to him because she knows that he will come back. That's what my... What is she saying? Because she knows... See, because I read it the other way. I read it as she's saying it to him because she knows he won't come back. And so... That's possible. But I'm too, I'm too optimistic, and therefore I refuse okay. to accept that. Okay. All right. <laughs> All right. I think you can definitely have both. Do you know what I mean? And, yeah. and when I first thought, I was like, oh, he's going to the fields. He's not going away. But then he keeps going. So I was like, oh... 
when is he coming back? I don't think he's coming back. I think he's gone forever. But you know, it, it's possible. I guess my my um sort of I guess my counter to that would be why would he bother now? He's already like because the seventy two demons still exist. Yeah, that's that's true. I mean, that's that's technically but, true. But but then wouldn't he just be abandoning his wife and kids to be slaughtered by the seventy two yeah, demons? Like they know where they are, right? So. Uh, or, I yeah. don't know. Were they in the same place at the end, or were they in hiding at that point? No, it was their original. Because yeah, because it was scene, scene opened up the same as the opening scene. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, because the shaving and all that. Um, yeah. So, so yeah, speaking I, of the end, since we're talking about it, I'll, I'll revisit that. So like I mentioned, I did like it more this time around, and I'm not really sure why that is. I'm, I'm coming to find that my viewpoint of a lot of these movies I watched, you know eight, ten years ago or more is, is changing. And in any case, my I still have complaints about it, and my complaints are that... Well, can you, just before you get there, what portion of the end are we talking about here? Are we talking about well, the final let's, battle let's or the whole... Basically the point where he cuts off his arm. Okay, okay. Like, I feel that, and I don't claim to be some you know genius movie critic, critic or something like that, but... I feel like the pacing just completely changed at that point. Like I felt like everything up to, up to that point in the movie was very like deliberate and mm-hmm. just all fit together like a puzzle piece. And then all of a sudden it was like, and like everything was like going crazy. And I feel like, like it, it makes more sense, but I, I feel like, I guess rushed is the word that I'm looking for because it's okay. very, especially because the arm cutting off thing. I mean, I get that, um, I get what they were going for, but it was like really a stretch of the imagination that he's literally going to cut his arm off, then go back and have this crazy fight. And so I felt that the pacing was a little off and it just got like they were, I felt as though the director was trying to put too much stuff into the mix. Okay. Uh, okay. And it got muddled a little bit is what, I guess what I'm getting at. Okay. So. I mean, I guess for me, I didn't ever thought of that. Like the, the arm cutting off to me, number one, I thought it was just like the homage to the, one-armed swordsman bit right but it also seemed like it was so that he would be more vulnerable in that final fight do you know what i mean um yeah but i do agree with you the pacing definitely shifts i don't know that it bothered me because i was kind of happy that like okay i'm ready to get to the end at this point i don't need more um but it does kind of like suddenly just get to the final act you know what i mean it's one of those kind of things um and the final act is very uh different in tone maybe than a lot of the rest of the movie do you know I mean or it's it's yeah. where we really see just how evil his father truly is yeah. you know um that got that part was pulled off very well i think i mean another thing it just i feel like they put in the arm cutting off thing to, you know what i feel like probably happened and this is just random speculation but considering the director has said it and it's open fact that they were originally aiming toward a remake of one-armed swordsman I feel like that must have been a bigger part, and then it kept getting cut down and cut yeah, down more and I more agree. until finally they were like, oh, we'll just have him cut his arm off. You know, we need to do that anywhere. Yeah. I was like, they didn't re- I would rather him have fought those guys and they cut his arm off or yeah. something. Because it was like, it came across to me as being just so randomly it, thrown in. It there. doesn't add any. The only thing it really adds dramatically, I think, is when he tells his like this father's reaction yeah. to it because he's cut it off as a you know display of I'm like they're I'm no longer related to you type thing 
and the dad does not take it well. Like the, the, the reaction is very strong when he first sees the arm. Um, yeah. So it was useful for that, but it's not like, I mean, I guess you could sort of do fan fiction after he wanders off like that, that he's now this one armed swordsman. Right. But we're not getting a sequel. So, you know, it's, yeah. it's kind of a nice thought, but it, it, it definitely, it didn't have to be in the movie. Like if you yeah. were saying, are we going to, are the things we can remove? That is something that you could probably remove, and it. I don't think the movie would lose anything if you, if you, yeah. if you, you know, he could have cut his hair in that scene, and it would have still. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Um, yeah. So, uh, but in any case, I, I, that doesn't change. I, I think I liked it more this time around. So okay. And what about the? So spoilers: the bad guy is killed by lightning in this, and right. and uh, I like it. I like that he was killed by lightning, but I. I I, I have when I've seen this with other people, I, I generally will hear from like one or two folks who are like, it just got killed by lightning. Like it, it doesn't fit their expectation of a fight scene. So I'm yeah. curious if that was something that bothered you as well or if originally, were... definitely. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I, I still, you know, I mean, I think the upside to it is that it really emphasizes the fact that the, you know, they were outmatched. They really yeah. probably should have lost that fight. And yeah. you know, maybe yeah. having his arm be cut off, having his arm cut off, maybe that played into it as well. But so, yeah, I, I, this time around, I, I liked it more and I could handle that. But I think when I originally saw it, I was on the same. I, I was thinking the same thing, kind of like it's kind of a letdown to be have this whole this whole story built up to this one point, And then in the end, he just randomly gets killed. And it wasn't I, as though like the detective guy like if they had foreshadowed that somehow, like if he was like mentioned something about like lightning and you're like, Oh, he did that on purpose. It's so cool. But it was almost just random randomness. Well, he does. I mean, during the fight, he does say there's like a needle in the foot. I just need to put one. It's obvious that he's connecting those dots during the fight, but it wasn't the plan going into the fight sort of thing though. I don't know. You probably can't plan for, for lightning. Even if it, even if, I mean, it's like, I don't know. I just but, especially, I think it's you know what I think it is, especially ha- given the whole CSI like analytics of the crime scene and the meridians and all this stuff, and then to have that happen, it just to me it kind of goes past the realistic point. As I agreed with what you said earlier. One of the reasons I really like, especially the early parts, is it's so um, grounded. And yeah. one of the things I, I mentioned this in one of my videos on YouTube um, about why. Wuxia is better than Xianxia, and I, instantly I have two videos. One is why Wuxia is better than Xianxia, and the other is why Xianxia is better than Wuxia, so I'm not actually saying one's better than the other, but one thing I think that makes Wuxia preferable for a lot of people is that it could be real. Yeah. You know, like, you, it, it's like one of those things where it's not, you're not talking about um, aliens flying around in space that just kind of goes beyond what is realistic, but you kind of, you can you can imagine this thing actually happening in real China, especially the first parts of the first act. Then it gets to, he cuts his arm off and like lightning strikes. And so I feel like it kind of broke past that, but you know, okay. it is what it is. Yeah. I, see for me, the light. So where I think the lightning could have been done better is it could have been done more dramatically because the way that that lightning bolt scene is shot, it's almost in passing. And then he just falls over and it does feel kind of random. The way, like you don't see there's, there's no, like look on his eyes or anything like right before the bolt hits or you know what I mean? There's just, there's something missing from that scene that I think 
gives it that random quality that you were talking yeah. about. Or if the detective had like looked up and then you saw lightning yeah. and you're like, oh, he's that's what he's. Well, trying see to do. that some... that would have bothered me because that really? sort of yeah, I don't like that in movies because I feel like that's when the filmmakers are like the audience is too dumb to get that it's lightning <laughs> out. So, you know what I mean? Like like I got I got all the I got that it was storming and that he had the needles and he said there's one in the foot. That was all I needed, but. I feel like they should have framed that shot so that it stood out. Do you know what I mean? So yeah. that like, ah, this is the moment of his death. Do you know what I mean? Whereas it was like, bing, he's done. He just falls over. That That's where it felt weird. But what I liked about the lightning is Jimmy Wang Yu's character is, he's all about this internal energy that he, like the first thing we see him do is he screams and like everything shakes. Do you know what I mean? Just like that kind of internal energy and everything that he's doing is kind of mirrored by the storm that's outside. So I feel like he and the storm are somehow connected. Do you know what I mean? Like maybe not literally, but just like there's a, it, it feels like it was very fitting for him to get take like the only thing that could destroy this guy is is like something that's a force of nature like he is because he's just this the, the, like you said they were not going to win that fight otherwise. There was no you know, Donnie Yen was about to get killed, and he and the detective, I think, does die. I don't. I was a little unclear on that, but I'm pretty sure he dies. Yeah, and I think that was the implication. I mean, there's a there's a big squishing sound when he gets hit in the stomach, and then he sees himself looking at himself, and so I'm assuming he's dead. Um, I gotta say, I always felt a little bit bad for the detective's wife in the in the movie. <laughs> um, I, yeah, I guess, but in the end, I think I think. Um the implication there was that obviously he was going to her for money. So it's not as though she was, you know, lacking for money and whatnot. And he was off pursuing his, his career. And apparently, I mean, I got the impression they weren't even together, living together at least. No, she so. was definitely not like that. Like, I mean, I, th I think she was basically waiting for him to understand why she was mad at him is what yeah. my reading of it was. And then she might forgive him. But yeah. like it just didn't for him it just didn't compute. He was just like the law is the law. Like you know, so and also I'm sure I'm sure suppressing his empathy didn't help. Yeah. <laughs> um. So, uh. But yeah. So I don't know. Any any additional thoughts on on this movie or the prior film? No additional thoughts. Just they're both perfectly in line with the the mechanics and the feel of what we're going for. Righteous Blood, Ruthless Blade. So it's the, these two are high on the list of recommend watching for sure. Yeah, and, and I should say, before, because this is definitely worth mentioning, the fight scene with Kara Hawaii is one of the best fight scenes in, like, wuxia movies ever. Like, it's a really, like, she's using, I think she's using a couple of daggers, and the way they have her using the daggers, the way that they execute the rooftop chase, and the way they handle the fight in the barn is just really good. Um, it's, yeah. it's one of these I, ones... You, you, you might even see... You've probably seen clips of this fight if you haven't even seen this movie because it's something that gets passed around on YouTube a lot. Yeah, I just uh, a day or two have tweeted like a little video um, of the the chase scene and I, I said it's the best rooftop chase scene ever. Um, and then somebody asked me about Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon and I, I said that was number two. That was the one yeah. that... The, the rooftop chase from Crouching Tiger was, is good as well. That's what, you know... Crouching Tiger is one of the main reasons I got on this path to begin with. But I think this one is just so, like we have talked about before, the grounded in reality aspect. And I think it, it's it's framed really awesome. You get to see the whole 
the whole village and there's smoke and all this stuff. And, you know, we, we didn't mention it, I don't think up to this point, but we do have an actual roof t- rooftop chase mechanic built into the game. It's actually yes. very simple. Yeah, we um, keep it. It's designed to emulate this exact kind of stuff. Yeah, and, and also the other thing I think that makes that scene work isn't just the fight choreography and all the other stuff that goes into making it amazing, but the acting in it and the way that, the way that like a lot of background information is kind of conveyed. Do you know what I mean? There's like a, there's like a there's dialogue within the fight that people always say like fight fighting in these movies is like a form of dialogue and sometimes that's true but most of the time it's you know it's still just fighting and and but in this one it really like they're really exchanging thoughts with each other as they're having the fight um so it just gives it that emotional quality on top of it um but yeah so i i would agree like you know both these movies are are films that i would recommend you can see killer clans on amazon for free right now if you have prime I believe Dragon, you might have to watch it with commercials if you, uh, unless you rent it or buy it on Prime. I don't think. Yeah, the, I think you're right. Yeah, so I, 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 I didn't have to watch it with commercials, so I don't know how annoying those are. Um, you know, you know, if it's like once every twenty minutes, it's probably not too bad. But I've watched some movies on platforms where it's been like every five minutes they're throwing a commercial at you. And, uh, I think I'm pretty sure I watched it that way with the commercials, and I didn't even really notice. To be honest, I think okay. it's. I think there's a few intermittent ones. At one point, I used to watch a lot of TV shows on Vicky, and those they used to have like these automated ads. And they, if you didn't have a Vicky pass, which I, I sometimes I had one, sometimes I didn't. But if you didn't have one, it was like it, it was forty five minute episode. It would be like every five minutes. And on top of that, the ads were so buggy. Sometimes you wouldn't be able to get the ads to stop or the thing would freeze and it would just, you know, you'd have to go back and watch from the beginning again. So, you know, I'm always a little nervous when ads are involved in the yeah, streaming service. Um, so, yeah. So, anyways, uh, yeah, we'll, we'll uh, I don't know. Do we know what movies we're going to be doing next or are we still kind of debating that? We haven't, we haven't talked about it yet, so. Okay. All right. So, uh, I guess we'll discuss what we're going to do. But until then, uh, you know, we will talk to you later. With the laughter comes the rain, with my anger comes a tide of emotion, killing joy, cutting steel across your eyes. Are you dead?